Welcome back to the Hey Roadie Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the people of the Ocean State. We are your hosts, Nick and Sasha. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is having a wonderful day. And happy 30th episode, Nick. Woo! 30 episodes. (laughs) That's crazy. Honestly, it's gone by so fast, and it's been so fun. Um, I want to say really quick before we get into this week's episode. Thank you to everyone who's been listening and who's been following along. It's been such a fun um, journey getting to talk to so many amazing people from the state that I really love a lot, if you haven't been able to tell. Um, So thanks, guys. This has been really, really cool. Um, I've had such an amazing experience doing this. And the fact that people listen and like it just makes it all all the more fun. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I guess it's not like your traditional like major milestone, but I don't know. Thirty episodes just seemed like a lot to us, so we were like, "We're gonna talk about it." <laughs> yeah. Well, and like when we started this podcast, like we never. I mean, obviously, we were like, you know, hoping that things were gonna go great, but it's always nerve wracking. It always feels a little weird um, to put yourself out there in such a vulnerable way. So, like, to make it to thirty just feels like a really, even though, like you said, Nick, it's not like a huge milestone. It feels like a personal milestone. Yeah. So happy 30th, guys. Yeah, it was like making it to 30 years old. No, yeah, that yeah, surprised yeah. me too. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but anyway, back on track, back on track. So today's episode, our 30th episode, is with Chef Jeannie Rowland. She was, I just loved her so much. First of all, she brought us cookbooks. Yeah, she did. That I affectionately called cooking books when she came in. Cooking books. I'm like, oh, a cooking book. (laughs) Um, She is, not only is she like a successful, awesome chef, she has two restaurants, um, one here in Westerly called Ella's Food and Drink, and one in Florida called The Perfect Caper. Um, So not only is she like a talented chef, but she's also like just a, she has this energy that you want to be around. She's been on some cool like reality TV shows, which is awesome. So she was on Beat Bobby Flay and that girl beat Bobby Flay. Beat him to a pulp. Literally. And we talk about that, which is cool. Her recipe that um, that she beat him with, which was awesome. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's my thoughts. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> and scene. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a great interview. I, I mean, I don't think we've had one interview so far that I didn't walk away from going, that was fun. You know, they're, they're all fun, but she yeah. was uh, very interesting. Uh, it's really cool that she has uh, multiple restaurants. Uh, one that's not, you know, couldn't be almost couldn't be further, further away, away. And still in the same country. <laughs> um, it kind of lets her travel around, get different ideas, mm-hmm. um, and, and be able to, you know, if you go down to Florida, you it's kind of even there. It's like different local tastes, yeah. and uh, there might be some different trends that then you can kind of carry back and forth, which is pretty cool. And one thing that I find out, I discover, which Nick was privy to before this, which makes me mad that he didn't tell me, is that Chef Jeannie has done private cooking lessons oh, yeah. with the one and only Taylor freaking swift and lord and lord yeah Yeah. whose real name is ella which was cute because when they were in westerly taylor was like ella let's go to ella's and get taught how to cook by chef genie so anyway it was so cool and i literally have a like a mild freak out when she says it because i had no idea and then she showed me pictures and she explained like how that happened and i just was like sitting with my mouth open in awe because like I would do anything to meet Taylor Swift. <laughs> anything. Uh, but yeah, I think everybody's going to enjoy the episode. Uh, and then on the the back end of this, um, months ago, we were promoting our Who to Watch party uh, during mm. our Who to Watch series, which the Who to Watch party we had to postpone uh, just due to uh, COVID. Um, due to no, no reason. Influx. And, <laughs> Nothing happened. Know, all that fun <laughs> stuff. Uh, but it is coming up again. So um, the Who to Watch party is at the Narragansett Brewery on Tokwanton Street in Providence. It's on April 26th at 6 p.m. Uh, you can find uh, links to uh, where you can get tickets on our website or just right on eventbrite.com. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I oh, think. my God. It's going to be so much fun. It's like I cannot wait. First of all, just as a this intro is going to be so long. I'm so sorry, listener. <laughs> um, but the the people that we had for our Who to Watch this year really just like have this special place in my heart. They were all, 
I think because we did the podcast, we got to have like an even more in-depth relationship with all of them. And since doing all that, we've seen a few of the people on the list out and about in the city doing cool things. So I feel like coming back in April after, you know, the original party was rescheduled like I think it's going to be so much fun because there's going to be even more to talk about like we're going to get to hear about like you know House of Codec is um, working with PVD Fest this year and there's just like so many cool things going down and I can't wait to just be with all of those wonderful people again um, so I'm really looking forward to it and I hope everyone comes me too and it's going to be a, a fun party there's a lot of cool stuff going on there uh it's a great spot the good part about it getting pushed back is that it's getting warmer out so we yeah. probably have the uh, bay doors open uh mm-hmm. and we're gonna have um uh i'm drawing a blank on the name of the the, the truck the rhode island cruising cocktails, rhode island cruising cocktails uh, outside so everybody can get cocktails obviously there's beers on tap beers on tap baby uh, we'll have some food and everybody can come by and you know meet us meet the the who to watch and mm-hmm. you know just network and socialize and have a good time yes it's gonna be so fun and i hope everyone enjoys listening to this episode after our very long-winded intro um it was worth it though <laughs> um, <laughs> if we do say so ourselves. if we do say so ourselves um but have fun listening to chef genie visit her restaurant um or if you're in florida visit her location there and yeah just have so much fun she was great yeah enjoy have fun guys All right. Awesome. Well, it's so good to have you here, Chef Genie. Do you prefer to be called Chef, Chef Genie, or just Genie? You you can call me Genie. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Chef isn't, oh, this isn't necessary if I don't say, if I don't address you like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> like like a drill sergeant. You're going to make her drop and give you 20. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so this is uh, really quick. I'm going to give you a little background on me. So my dad is a chef um, and he, like, obviously he was, like, I worked in restaurants with him and I would call him dad. But everyone else would call him chef. And I'm like, oh, it's weird. I never had the opportunity to be like, chef, chef dad. Chef um, dad. <laughs> chef dad, what's going on? Um, but yeah, I always wanted to know. Because even when you watch shows with like Gordon Ramsay, when he like says something and they're like, yes, chef. Can they just say yes? They have to say chef. Oh, everybody in, in the restaurant that works for me yeah. uh, refers to me as chef. That's, um, I like that. Yeah. In the Florida restaurant, I think I, I had the, uh, they call me mama. Because of the South, and um, I'm very nurturing and motherly and stern as your mother could be at times. (laughs) So I'm I'm labeled, yeah, I'm labeled Mama down there, and they've um, they now call me Chef, but it it was a little growing process. What part of Florida is your restaurant? I'm in Punta Gorda. We are on the southwest coast. Okay, cool. And you, so you have a a spot in Florida, and you have a spot, obviously, while you're on the Hey Ready podcast in Rhode Island. That's right, in Westerly, Rhode Island. In Westerly, can you talk about? as just sort of like a general, what brought you, like, what made you decide to do half and half, like half here and half there? So originally we were working down in Florida mm-hmm. um, and we were working for a large global company. And after 9-11, they downsized and um, I was one of the first people to lose my, my job, obviously, um, in hospitality. So we really loved the town we were living in there. I had a real rustic beauty and we knew that there was no restaurant um, there. So we started a very small 10 10 seat, 10 oh, wow. table restaurant. Um, just kind of on a whim. I was kind of thought I'd be a silver palette in Punta Gorda. That's what I, I kind of admired. I liked that gourmet deli slash making food, doing what I wanted. I knew my emphasis wanted to be on um, all cruelty free. And I knew if my name was at the bottom of any menu, I'd want to make everything on it um, mm. from scratch, start to finish. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, so that's how we started mm-hmm. there. And we're going into 20 years this month. Wow. wow. Congratulations. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome. Big deal. Is there in Florida, because I've only, I've only been to Florida to go to Disney. Is there like, do you have an on and an off season at your restaurant or is it like touristy? Is it just you know, a a normal town? So, you know, initially Punta Gorda was a very small uh, fishing village Mm. and it has grown so much over the last uh, two decades. I really want to say my husband and I are responsible for part of that growth because for somebody to enjoy a small town like that, you want to have a place to go to eat and to get in your car and drive 45 minutes to an hour to find some quality food mm. um, is is very daunting to drink and then try to drive home afterward, et cetera. So um, really a lot of people even nowadays still buy a home in the area due to my restaurant being there. I, I wow. hear that 
I mean, no fewer than a half dozen times an evening with people that are in there, new and old, mm. thanking me for being in the town, creating what we did, growing into the big restaurant we are. We're now 165 seats. Wow. Um, That's incredible. Still make everything start to finish, yeah. um, you know, ice cream, pate, et cetera. So we, we, we've not broken that commitment mm. in the 20 years. And your restaurant in Rhode Island and Westerly, um, what, how did that start? So Ella's Food and Drink um, was always a vision that we wanted to come back to New England. Um, that's kind of my my home heart. I'm from Waterbury, Connecticut. Okay. And that's a very food-centric town. My father um, has lived up here. So I knew that eventually I'd have to come back to be with my family and take care of my dad. And so... Um, we had always kind of had that vision to come up here. We found that spot in Westerly and I grew up going to Charlestown in the summer. Yeah. Um, and that was so many people from Waterbury. Charlestown was their spot. So, um, that's really where I wanted to be close to the shore. And again, in Westerly, I saw something that was a town right on the cusp of doing something a decade ago. Mm -hmm. Such a beautiful layout. You have the Ocean House, their properties, their dedication to driving business into the area, the train station, um, everything that's been done there, we felt, again, there was a void of what we had to offer in Westerly, and that's mm -hmm. why we opened Ella's there. Yeah, and having a place like Ocean House, like a big, what they, what they call themselves, a resort? Yeah, they're yeah. like a Relay and Chateau property, so they have, oh. you know, many, you know, awards, and that draws worldwide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and having, uh, it's a draw for them, too. Like, granted, they want to keep as much of their business in their resort as they can, but uh, having a town around them mm -hmm. with uh, like some attraction to it, like really good restaurants or uh, other things for tourists to go see or do like helps draw people there as well. So I'm sure they're excited about having, you know, ni nice restaurants in the area. As well. Oh, absolutely. And they refer us so many. Uh, we have a great relationship with them mm -hmm. and their dedication to the town. And it's, it's, uh, it's very impressive. It's helped us a lot. And they simply cannot service everybody that goes to their resorts. So mm -hmm. they have to have places to send them. And let's face it, you don't want to be, you know, maybe staying there two days and eating there on property, but you do want to get out and see what's around. And as well now, people are investing in the area, so they wanted to get out and see the local area. Totally. Now, as a chef, someone who spends your day like coming up with beautiful recipes and, you know, putting them into fruition, you know, like making them, when you're at home, do you cook yourself like these crazy amazing meals or are you more of like a toast with butter kind of gal or like call in the local pizza place get greasy pizza like what do you do when you're home from work so um yeah I'm I'm the typical masochistic artist I like to <laughs> cook a lot yep like when I got to Florida I was supposed to rest when I just got down there in November but I wanted to make like a rose flavored custard and oh my I started God. baking cakes as soon as I got there. And my husband's like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're supposed to rest. And I'm, what was I watching? I was watching something on Netflix, um, like a zombie film with uh, a character named Rose in it. And I just was like, Rose needs her own cake. So I made Jamie King a rose, a little rose cake was my inspiration, was watching some zombie flick. And I'm like... I got rose petals. I wanted yeah. to make this cake. And now that cake's blossomed into like another cake that oh my we're doing God. as a special. So no, I'm always thinking about food. Yep. I love food so much. Um, for a while, I was just making like fried chicken a million different ways, oh. like putting, you know, marinating it in harissa and other things and putting curry powder in my regular mix mm. just to change it. So no, I love, I love cooking. I think I love nourishing yourself through what you're making. I like to treat my body good through mm. food, and I feel like it's just, you know, one big cycle in, yeah. in, with us, so. I wish that I had, like, a tiny, like, the size of your pinky amount of, like, being able to make food in, in my entire body. I'm like, I can make an egg. I can make a toast. We'll call it a day. Eggs are call really hard. Okay, they're not good eggs. It's like, <laughs> it's like a fried egg. I cook it on my walk. Sorry. Oh, my God. <clears throat> I'm so sorry about Sasha's that. falling apart. I just turned into a zombie, literally, on air. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry about that. No, but I, it's just, I think it's so inspiring to meet people who can, like, look, like, I go into the grocery store, I'm so overwhelmed. I, like, don't even, I don't even know what to do with any of it. And for people to, like, you literally watched a movie, you heard someone's name that was in reference to something in nature, and you literally created a beautiful masterpiece, like, Oh my God, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. That's, you know what, you know, it's, it's, it's 
interesting as you grow as a chef, you have these ideas in the back of your head. I call it like the little voice. Mm. And you really, we really need to listen to that as artists. And I think a lot of times you walk through life and you hear those little voices telling you to do stuff and you're like, hey, shut up, go away. Yep. But we as artists need to listen to that voice because it's something within you telling you like we have an iconic lamb dish on our menu. And I, I spoke about this forever to my husband, James, like forever. And he's like, it just it seems like it's all over the place. This is one. I mean, we sell just the living daylights out of this lamb in both places yep. because of a vision I had in my head about a spice rub. And then I just, I wouldn't let it go until I made it for him at home. And he's like, okay, I get it. And, <laughs> Makes and, sense. And, that, and even when people, they question it on the menu, it's like, you're going to get it how I would like it to be prepared. Mm -hmm. uh, because you're not, if you take all of that out of there, you know, then they're not seeing the dish as I saw it. And then, mm -hmm. and they're not getting the complete vision. And I think a lot of times when you go into a restaurant, especially ours, like people are like, what's a crabby scallop? It's not a chicken piccata. Mm. I do things that they haven't seen before. And so for for that, I think it's intimidating in some senses. Yeah. But also it's exciting when you get that dish in front of you. You've never had it before. And you take that first bite and you're, what is this? And you're yeah. overwhelmed and you're crunching on the tobiko and And it's something new and exciting. It's like jumping out of a plane. That first moment is like, ah, it's wonderful and scary and everything. And you know, people, I think with food, we start, get into a box. Like you totally. go, you go into the grocery store. What am I going to cook? You know, and sometimes taking something that you don't know and forcing it mm. and just saying, you know, I've discovered something, maybe make it a different way. You know, mistakes yeah. turn into brilliance. I've always said, you know, and sometimes. That's a good way to look at it. You know, <laughs> it's, it's your new dish. You yeah. know, I mean, cookbooks are a guide and yeah. I feel like, is it ever, is it always going to come out as they say? Probably not. Yeah. But you're going to aspire to do that. But also you want to put your own label on it. Like you want to cook from the heart. Mm. You know, all this, you know, that that's kind of like, to, you know, the cookbook thing. I'm always like cook with love because if you're not get takeout, it's going to show if you do anything and you're not inspired or passionate or not truly enjoy it, yeah. you're not going to really be successful at it. I mean, you guys are good at what you do because you enjoy coming in here. You could see it with you. Yeah. Um, the same thing with us. If you walk into the kitchen, you're having a bad day, go, you know, leave. Don't create that day because it's not going to come out as, yeah. you, as you want. That's really cool. And you know what's so funny is like, even though I'm not a good cook, like I am just not, it's not my, in my wheelhouse. It's always either like overdone a little bit or underdone a little bit or oversalted or whatever. Anyway, what you said, like cook with love, it's funny because when I cook, like my husband and I, we both are not good cooks. Like we make the same dinner basically Monday through Thursday and then we go out the rest of the time. And it's usually like we make a salad, we make like, I have little pita breads, I make a pizza, done, that's it. And every night. But we have so much fun together making those like weird dishes, like those like no talent, like not a lot of um, like effort dishes. But we have so much fun doing it that like it does taste good because, you know, we made it with love. It's so fun. Yeah, and then how much more excited are you when you make something and you're like, oh, I'm a terrible cook. And then you actually go to eat it and you're like, wow, this is actually good. This tastes like, good. Even when, it, even when it's not like. If you got that at a restaurant, you'd be like, well, this place isn't that great. But if you made it yourself and you're like, holy crap, this is edible. Okay. So here's a great example. So I have an air fryer. It's like the only thing I know how to use. And I actually cook things pretty good in them. Anyway, so <coughs> yesterday I wanted to make Brussels sprouts. And I've been into more like spicier food lately. So I was – usually when I make Brussels sprouts, I put a little olive oil, salt, pepper, garlic, onion, whatever. So yesterday I was like, I'm going to add chili flakes. And then at the end, I'm going to put honey on it. And guess what? They were so good. Perfect. My mean, yeah. come on. That's, I mean, it, that's a shit. That's like, <laughs> I'm going to be Bobby Flay <laughs> with my air fried Brussels Signature sprouts. dish, Brussels sprouts. Do they let you bring on air fryers on a, on a competition shows? Yeah, I think you can bring like something with you. Oh or God, they I might have them. Could you imagine? <laughs> stare down Bobby Flay. Never my, saw that coming. With my air fryer <laughs> like don't mind he's like doing some sort of like french whisking technique and i'm like beep, 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 beep. and it's like that loud like air fryer it sounds it like a, it. Yeah. Uh, something you uh you said earlier um kind of i wanted to comment on too when you were talking about how you you have a certain dish that uh you make your way and if somebody wants it to be different then it's not the dish you made right. they, they're they're asking for something completely different than what you're making uh and that's actually annoyed me now uh recently with 
if I go out to, with people to like a really good restaurant and then they're like, oh, can I get that dish? But without, uh, you know, no onions, no this, no that, uh, add this. I'm like, you didn't just order the dish. You just yeah. custom made something like just right. go to McDonald's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can custom make something at home. You can do it somewhere else. But when I was a kid, I was a really, 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 really picky eater. And one day I think it was from going to my friend's houses and I didn't want to be the one that told their parents that like I couldn't eat their food. It just felt disrespectful. So I just decided like no matter what, I'm going to choke it down. Like I will just yeah, I will just eat it. I will choke it down and get through it. And deciding to do that made me learn to like a lot more things. So mm. now I'll pretty much eat anything you put in front of me. I'll try it once. Even if I know I don't like it, if I was someplace and somebody's parents put their the food in front of me, I would just eat it anyway. Um and when I used to go to places like there's even some burger places that they're like, oh, you know, you can't make any changes to this. I think if it's a like a quick burger place, this might be a little ridiculous. But <laughs> right. um, even <clears throat> even something like that, I used to think it was super annoying. I'd be like, I don't want to go to a place like that. But yeah. now I do. I'm like, no, I want to. I'm going to a really good restaurant because I heard the food was very good. And the food is very good because the chef and the people in the back make it the way it's supposed to be made for that. Because you appreciate, like, like you were, like Jeannie, you were saying, like the art behind it. Like it is like a little, it's a voice in the back of your head telling you to make this art, and like it's like you wouldn't tell a painter, like, oh, don't use the color blue. But people don't understand too that if you take one thing out, you changes you've changed it, everything. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You're Subbing like, oh, a vegetable. I don't like cumin. It's like, well, then you just completely change the flavor profile of the entire dish. Cilantro. Yep. Cilantro. Everybody's allergic. It's like, yeah, n- yeah. You really aren't. Cilantro is that one too, where it's like a genetic thing, right? Uh, where certain people it tastes like it tastes like soap. soap. Yeah. I also think if you eat too much of it. Mm. Yeah, I also think that to be honest like I'm not saying I feel like there are definitely people who are legitimately allergic to cilantro I'm sure but I also feel like it's one of those things where like if you're like cilantro tastes like soap cilantro tastes like soap you taste it and it tastes like soap right because I know like so for my husband he used to hate cilantro because for that reason he was like it tastes funny when I eat it and I was like to him like does it really or are you just telling yourself because you've heard it so many times that other people taste cilantro tastes like soap like is it just like a mental thing and now we love cilantro. Like if we yeah. go to a restaurant and there's cilantro, bring it on. I had that like similarly to you, Nick, like especially in my older age, I am a vegetarian. So the only sometimes I do have to ask for like no meat in right. it. But I try not to ask for any like changes, like unless it's like, you know, something that I I don't I'm not the best with super, super spicy food. So if there's something in there that's like really, really spicy. But besides that, like. If it's a if it's a vegetable that I don't know or haven't tried, like bring it on, like let's try it. That's yeah. I want to know the art behind it, you know. Like I want to taste like what how it's supposed to taste. Too, it's hard in the kitchen. Like you know, we especially you know I just I came back from Florida. We're at the height of season. Mm-hmm. You have a, a party of six and five changes on it. It's daunting when you're pushing mm-hmm. out totally two hundred and fifty meals to go <clears throat> sauce on the side, some mash for blah 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 blah, blah and you're going yeah. like. Yeah, it's a lot. It hurts yeah. your brain when yep. you're when you're in the middle of it all. And two, a lot of times if they take out kale and put in bok choy, it didn't belong there. And then they're like, this doesn't taste right. And, and you're, you're like, like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know you changed it. <laughs> right. I didn't make and it that way. Especially at a place like a scratch kitchen or, uh, you know, a farm to table. Or right. Like, those are the places like, like, why are you messing with the dish? <laughs> like, just if you don't like that, then order a different order dish that you do else. like. Yeah, totally. I, I don't get that at all. Are there any ingredients that you stay away from that you personally don't love? Or are you the type of person like you'll do anything? Um, I, I guess I do cook to the way I like to eat. Mm. Um, I've, I, I'll cook anything. I'm yeah. not adverse to cooking, you know, anything. The cruelty thing is a big thing for me. Yeah. I, I have to know where an animal came from and how it was treated. Yeah. Um, and the way I was trained, I think I just have certain parameters. Like I'm not heavy on garlic or okay. raw onion or this or that because if you put that in your face at the beginning of a meal, I was taught that's all you taste at the end of your meal. So I oh. have a very different way in that I season. Yep. I was trained by a chef, but as well by a sommelier. So he kind of showed me that oh my God. if you put this in, in you know, it's going to destroy the rest of mm. the meal. And so when I was at a private club starting out, I was so fortunate because the sommelier worked nights. And there were a lot of times he was just sitting on the pastry table. Yep. And, and you we got were to talk. talk about food mm. and pairings and what I should do and what you shouldn't do. Yeah. And especially at wine dinners, because 
And But really, if you even parlay that into a regular dinner, well, aren't we trying to taste everything through the whole dinner? Yeah. So I'm very, there are things that I personally don't like really heavy. I'm really careful with garlic in general because it's abused. Yeah. I only buy USA garlic, you know, never pre-chopped. It has that little tooth in it. A lot of people get like angina or don't feel well when they oh. eat garlic. That is a tuber. It's poisonous. It's going to make you sick. Yeah. So little things like that, we pull them out in my restaurant. Oh my God, that's The little cool. teeth out of all the garlic or work around it, which is kind of nuts at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. there's only a few chefs that do it because it's hard to do. And then you have somebody there doing that all day, <laughs> pulling out like cuckoo. But, um, but it know, makes a difference, clearly. Makes a difference. I mean, I have people, when I make bolo, I used to show the guy I'm in my hand. Wow. Because he couldn't eat garlic anywhere. Yeah. Um, but again, it's like, I, I was just trained less is more. Mm. And you want your main ingredient to be up in the, in the, in the front. And yep. you want to taste that. And then everything else should accentuate it. And I went through doing some research and reading about you. I read that a lot of um, influence are like French cuisine and Asian cuisine. And you, is there a way that like you, I'm just, I, again, I know nothing about cooking. So when I read that, I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, I don't, you know, like, do you take like aspects from each and like combine them together with like your own style or how, like, how would you describe that? So I would say that you, you hit the nail on the head. So I cook very viscerally. So I just am doing it from a feeling. Oh, okay. Um, and so a lot of times I go out and eat, I have a, a just a, a love of butter innately since when I was a kid, I used to yeah. eat pats of butter and love just butter. freak my parents out. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I always felt like even in the Asian stuff, it was nice to have that finish of butter mm. because it almost tamed a lot of the flavors in the Asian food that were so bold that on our palates were too much. Yep. So that smoothing of butter mm. and the blending of it or the surprise of adding um, something, you know, Asian like yuzu to something French um, to lighten it or brighten so it. Cool. I, I just love that. I yeah. love, I, I'm like, I love yuzu. That's one of my favorite things to put in desserts or sauces or vinaigrettes is just a surprise. Yeah. Um, and brightens it. And did you, uh, did you go to, to school to cook or did you just apprentice with somebody or how did you go about your training, uh, before you got to where you are now? So I did, I went to the Culinary Institute of America in 1990, um, and I graduated in 1992. Um, I, I feel at that moment, and it's, it was its heyday. It was a real difficult school. Mm. It just didn't pump out a bunch of people that had no intention of being chefs, which I find today that we feel like we're flooded with people that have no idea what goes on in a restaurant. Mm. I mean... You should wash dishes and know that oh, it's yeah. hot, hard, mm -hmm. miserable 50% of the time. Hectic. Long days. Yeah, highs, a lot of highs and yep. lows. And um, you you have to understand that. It's it's not what you see on TV. It's not glamorous. Um, there's days when I just cry. Yeah. You know, I walk out and I'm so overwhelmed that I, I'm, I cry. Yeah. And it's a lot. It, it's it's And you have to feel that dedication like all my and I really like in Florida I could say like after our 20-year period all, all of my management that are in it for the long run they're just like me they mm. feel that pa as passionate as I do and and to duplicate that somewhere is, is is very hard to do yeah and there's no really like jobs quite like working in a kitchen like, it, it, like you said, there's so many, the knowledge you have to have, this, like the knife skills and like using different, I mean, this to me would be diff difficult, like using more than one pan at one time and like mix, like there's so many things that have to go into it. There's really like no other job. So with that skill and with that knowledge, then you add on top of that, like dealing with temperamental customers, dealing with temperamental, sometimes wait staff or training new people. Like there's so many little parts that go into this big I say it's thing. the wait staff that's the pain in the <laughs> I can say that because well we can because yeah. we've both been Working waiters before forever. like I remember I used to work at a restaurant in Boston on Newberry Street and it was always so busy and I remember one time I had this like table of 10 everything went out everything was great and one person like didn't like the way their steak was cooked so I had to bring it down to the chef okay like uh, uh, we'll fix it blah 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 brought it up he started eating it 
didn't like the way it was cooked again brought it down talked to the chef chef you could tell chef was trying to like getting like a little aggravated brought it up he took a bite didn't like it for the third time brought it down and that plate went flying against a wall (laughs) because he was so aggravated and like you know where i was working um they were all about uh it, Back Bay Restaurant Group was a, a oh, yeah. was you know in Boston and their whole thing was like go above and beyond for the customer. So if a customer tells you they don't like something three times, you're gonna fix it three times. But it just got to that point. It was busy. It was hot. There was so much going on that this one steak that was supposed to be cooked medium that definitely was perfect the first time. Like it's just aggravating. And then all that stress on top of you trying to create new dishes and make sure every all the plates look nice and everything's going out on time and. Oh, my God. So I worked at a, uh, a local restaurant in northern Rhode Island, the Pines uh, Pub and Restaurant, for like eight years or something. And it was been, it had been there for a very long time. It was family-owned. It had been bought by different owners, yada, yada. So, like, when it was built, they built the kitchen downstairs. Oh. Like, so the kitchen's in the basement, like, down steep stairs, through the dishwashing room, <laughs> into the kitchen, with no windows, and a vent that was a hood vent that's probably... 20 years old so it was like an oven sounds like it was place. meant for success oh uh, it was rough and but <laughs> <It> falls <laughs> yeah. the the up and down of it is like yeah one you have your corporate uh places that are like oh go above and beyond and then the last few years that i worked at uh this place um a chef had owned it uh he, he he bought it he had worked that in the, the back forever and the funniest thing was watching him deal with customers because he'd never had to deal with customers. And he just didn't do it. If somebody ordered something medium and it was medium when it came out, he'd be like, no, that's that's what you asked for. And they'd be like, oh, but it, this isn't. No, no, no. That's exactly. He'd go get the chart and show him what medium looked like. It was so funny. That killed me because I was so used to people like basically kiss and ass the whole yeah. time which is good right yeah, you want to keep your customers but there's a balance it was so like being vindicated like you know seven years into it of having somebody like the manager come up and be like no you're wrong this <laughs> <laughs> was hilarious to me uh but the the thing that a lot of people don't understand and which i think we were touching on to kind of come back full circle um the difficulty in the kitchen is oh my huge God, but just in not even just in skill and stuff but how hot yeah. it is like I used to have to go out of my way to not complain to the kitchen when I was sweating, right? Because I'd like be, be running up and down the stairs, and I'd get down there and I'd be like, "Oh my god, it's so hot!" Never mind, guys, yeah. you're good. <laughs> like, I'm not going to complain like to you. In it's, flames, like in the like... summer, it would be legitimately like 115, 110 degrees in that kitchen all it's day long. Oh yeah, crazy. Uh, it's then, like not. And then a lot of people <laughs> see, especially now, what you were talking about with these places that are just pumping out. Um, chefs it's just kind of the same thing with like graphic designers now they're just pumping out graphic designers you can get a degree whether you're good at it or not it's a different story but same thing with uh chefs people see all the tv shows and they Mm. see all the you know uh instagram influencers and they got the the full arm sleeve tattoos and real cool looking (laughs) and they want to like be that person and they've never even worked in a kitchen before so then they go to school for this and then probably shell shock the first time they get a job isn't going to be at some high-end restaurant it's going to be a relatively I'm going to say a smaller position, but it's got to be a shell shock. You walk into a kitchen and realize, oh my God, this is miserable. <laughs> this is not what <laughs> like, I was expecting. And if you what don't you- <laughs> love it, you're not going to be able to stick it out. Oh yeah, people not- telling you, you know, that you're not, the guts as well, you're putting something on a plate that's going out and getting mm-hmm. put in front of all these people all night long. And you have to have the confidence to go, I know that's good every single time. Yeah. Yep. And then when it does come back, you also have to be honest enough to yourself to know when you made a mistake and to write it or to hold like that guy Mm -hmm. like no i'm not taking that back yeah um i know it's good and and yeah i i i not that i do that with my customers but you can't also let the customers abuse you so there's a fine line between the customer is always right and you know, you're being abusive because the steak was medium. What do you want? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and sometimes the people don't even know that. Like, medium to medium rare plus. Plus what? What what am I blaming? A glass of wine? I mean, I don't know. It's like you're 70 years old. You've been eating steak your whole life. Now you don't know what temperature to order. Yeah. It's insane. And then to have a party of six do that, three steaks come back, 
and you have like 15 tickets on the board, it's daunting for somebody oh, to go, yeah. just order it under because most places overcook the steak. Yeah. And we were like, the other night, we were like six people at a table and we're like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's aggravating. And I think it's too like there, I think sometimes what people forget, I mean, I think there's a different in, ty- in dining experiences, but like in a restaurant where you have like an award-winning chef, like you're going, like you're going there to like experience like the chef and like to be part of that world, not to go and use and abuse a situation. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like- We got your medium. Yeah, like I feel like people don't, and it could be because for so long we, we were like at chain restaurants, right? Like every Friday was like, you know, TGI Fridays or here or there. And some people I maybe don't understand, like I hate to say like etiquette, but like the etiquette of it. Like you go to a restaurant and like one, Sometimes people have bad days and at a restaurant, like it's as if, you know, if you were an accountant and there was someone, you know, every, you know, every hour was like, oh, this is wrong. This is wrong. You did this wrong. This isn't how you might like it, but not how I like it. In a restaurant, as a chef or as a server, as a bartender, like you're getting that all the Mm -hmm. time. Sometimes people just came in to take their their anger out on you. Right. Totally. But you also, the what you're talking about with the chain restaurants, uh, I worked in one for when I first started in restaurants. People know and they have the attitude that most chain restaurants, it's that the customer is always right. Yeah. Make sure it's a good dining experience. They know if they complain, they're going to get something comped. Yeah. They want something for free or something cheaper. So you, you're going to get that carried over all over the yeah. place because there's certain people that know like, oh, I can go out to dinner and complain about one thing and get a free drink. Mm-hmm. And like you got to kind of know the difference between what these people are doing <laughs> yeah. when they have a legitimate complaint and yeah. when they're just like oh, kind yeah. of complaining to complain. And that's not easy to figure out either. I think everybody should be required to, at some point in their work, life, work in some kind of service industry. Oh, yeah. It's like the military. Yeah. Work like, in automatic. a you restaurant do a year. or retail because yeah. I've done both. And let me tell you. Oh, it's awful. It's awful. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. But anyway, now we went down this like negative restaurant vent sesh. I want to know. I'm going to bring it back. So you are, I, I already said this, but you're an award-winning chef. So can you explain what a James Beard thing is? An award? James Beard Award? Is that the correct? Yeah. So James Beard Awards are like given, um, it's like it's like the Oscars of dining. Okay. So it's your colleagues voting on who they feel are the most outstanding people in the field. And there's a panel um, on the James Beard Committee, and then your diners actually send them letters and vote for you, that sort of thing. So I I had that, I guess, uh, seven to nine times or something like that for the Florida restaurant. Just like seven to nine times. But I I, I was on the (laughs) long list. That's pretty incredible. Um, Yeah, that's it's very uh, humbling and, and really cool. Um, thing to be recognized because we do we work so hard yeah and then to be recognized like that is is awesome yeah but, I mean honestly I'm just as happy when I complete a really good day of work yep. and talk to my customers and you know I made a killer you know buttermilk passion fruit cake last week and oh everybody was going mental over it and that sounds so you know good. what I mean like it's it's not always the big things yeah it's totally the, it's the little things that really I think make or break you in our 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 uh, our our business. It's it's that really make you proud and happy mm. to be the smallest thing. But it is really. I mean, I totally get it. Like, and I and I listened to a podcast recently where they were saying like, you know, when an actor wins an Oscar, like that's really cool. But like the next day, what does that mean? Right. Like, right. It doesn't like doesn't mean a whole lot. Um, I mean, it does, but it, you know what I mean. Like it does, but it doesn't. Right. So I can see that, but from an outsider's point of view, I think that it's very, very cool, and I am very honored to be, you know, sitting in a room with someone who is seven. You said seven to nine times. Yeah. I, I mean, like maybe eight. I'm not sure. Okay, what it's. <laughs> that's a lot. Eight times. Yeah. Okay. okay eight's good. Eight's yeah. good. Seven to nine. We're we're it's in that. It's in between there. Yeah, that's perfect. Um. So another thing that I wanted to bring up, um, just as someone who loves um, TV, and we were talking about this before we started recording, is you are on Beat Bobby Flay. Yes. And you beat Bobby Flay. Snaps for that. That's right. That's pretty great. Because and before we started recording, I was telling Chef Jeannie that that show always kind of <clears throat> bothers me because, you know, Bobby Flay is a great chef. He's a famous great chef. Like, why does he need the ego boost <laughs> to beat other chefs like I, to boost our egos for going on there and beating the that, guy, well, right? That's, that's true. true. There you go. Imagine that. Like for the rest of my life, I can say I beat Bobby Flay. That's like incredible. It is really cool. How and, did you like decide to go on it? Like, what was that like? That journey getting there. 
So they actually had called um, us up. And I, I Girl, would, I know. I would ain't say, James Beard. And you're getting called by Bobby Flay's people? Yep. Come on. There you go. And they, That's uh, pretty cool. They asked, you know, if I could, if I thought I could do it. And I, I, I'm a worker, so I never watch a show. I watch a show. And I thought it was something I could do. And um, within two weeks, we were down there in New York. Yep. Um, and, and did the episode. And, and literally by like 7.30, it was over. You know, you, we got there at 5. By 5.30, we were filming. By 7.30, I had one, and he was filming another thing That's right behind crazy. me. Um, but it was a great opportunity yep. um, to be involved with something like that. The girl that I um, competed against in the first round, we still talk to Aww. and are friends, which That's is awesome. even better. Um, that I made this Becca Richards, this you know younger. She was like you know half of my age that we competed against each other. She's now in Oregon, and we still communicate. Um, the same thing with the Iron Chef gauntlet program I yep. went on there um my best takeaway from that was all the great contestants like yep. you know um Kevin and Hong and David we're all still good friends and we talk and text and have colleagues like that that are my peers yeah, for me incredible. it's just rare I don't get to interact with people like that mm. like we went out to LA and we visited um you know Chef Dave at his restaurants in Manhattan Beach and it was oh, cool. just so cool and and to have somebody like that you know across the country that you know in my in my my league say yeah um you know and sometimes I think as chefs we don't think we're as good as we are and that's what keeps us going forward yeah. and and I would say I was so blessed to meet such down-to-earth people yeah, um, like from in, those experiences. In such a heightened experience to meet people who are real probably was not what you were expecting. At all. Yeah, I can imagine how that would be like, whoa, other people are here like me? This is crazy. Um, so just as a, and we don't have to keep talking about this, but I'm just so curious because I'm, I'm like picking your brain big time because I think it's so very cool. So you were talking before about how you come up with these recipes and they're in your brain and you imagine them and you kind of you know, come up with this beautiful, you know, piece of art that you eat. When you're in a situation where you're on like the Iron Chef Gauntlet or Beat Bobby Flay, like in a heightened environment like that, where you know, obviously, like there's bigger stakes on the line because it's like on TV and people are going to see it. And how do you like, how do, how do you mentally, one, prepare yourself for it and then find the food? Like where does the inspo come from? I've, I feel like I would be so overwhelmed that I'd be like, ah, I can't do it. Like just makes peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. <laughs> and go. that would beat Bobby Flay. <laughs> See? It would be an jelly expert. she's gonna choose. Heck um, yes. I really I would say it really depends where you are mentally in life. Mm. I don't think when I went I think when I was at Bobby Flay, I was really good mentally. After Iron Chef, I had I had a, a foot surgery prior. Yeah. It didn't go as I expected. I was a little depressed. Mm. I didn't perform my best on there. And I would say it was because of my personal mental state that I was in. Um, I, I, uh, I, I, was, I was devastated after yep. that. Even though looking back at it, I could see the orchestration of the show. For me personally, it, it just hurt. I felt yep. I, I didn't expect it. I... Uh, Got caught. I had a film the next day, and I had to do it with Grace. Yeah, um, which is is what I do. And and but still, I was taken aback because I felt Bobby Flay was such a genuine experience and so real. Yeah, and then to have the same organization have something that kind of wasn't. Yeah, mm -hmm. for me, it was like I was just stunned. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, grow up. Mm -hmm. You know, you you got paid for it. You yep. don't get paid for Flay. There's a reason you were paid for that. And yep. um. You know, looking back on it, I was like mature or whatever, you know, it's different. <laughs> yeah. But at the time it hurt and it stung yeah. and it brought me to a really a, a crappy place, I have to say. Mm. And so I feel really like I'll never do anything like that again, put okay. myself in that position. Yep. Um, and I feel bad for people that do it and perhaps it does destroy them. Yeah. Because I, I wasn't feeling good about myself after that. It feels like not like the most mentally and like I think mentally and physically like not the safest environment to be in. Just everything that's going on. And from what I know on like behind the scenes things that I've seen, you know, people try to make other people like dislike each other and drama. And when you're there to like show your talent and your cooking and your passion and your exquisite skills and that's what's important and then mm. to put you in a situation where you don't feel like you can do that and you're not able to like do your best like that's just crappy yeah, that's one of the things well 
I I think I actually said this before we started recording, but I don't really like competition shows. Mm. Um, there's really none of them that I watch. Every once in a while, maybe, but um, I think it's because there's a lack of transparency on the viewer side mm-hmm. uh, that they put forward this like uh, facade of this is what the competition is. And in real life, it's not that. Uh, even when you look at like American Idol, uh, you feel like, oh, all these people are just walking in and, and seeing the judges. But like they have to go to a uh, tryout in their area and there's like 35 tables. Mm-hmm. And some of those tables are just looking for bad people. Yeah, so which you is went so up messed to that up. One, you're, even if you were incredible, they're not going to get you anyway. And yep. you have to go through all these other things and they're going to put certain people before you because it's for entertainment value. And But then they pre- they present these competitions as if different. they're structured totally. completely differently. So I just assume that every competition show does that same shit. And I just don't like it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I, I just, I'd rather know the whole process ahead of time and know what's going on. And then I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. That makes sense. But And I guess I like, like that. for like a Bobby Flay sort of show, because it really, I mean, I know that there's like, what's it's two rounds. Like the first round you guys, it's two chefs and then it's you, you and Bobby Flay. I guess that's a little bit more like, this is what it is. There's not a whole lot of like other stuff going on. Like it's a, what is it? Half an hour or an right. hour long show. Like once it's over, it's over. Like it's a happy ending either way. Everyone got to shine in some aspect. Mm-hmm. So like you said, it feels like more transparent even to the viewer because even though I'm sure there's like a lot of behind the scenes stuff that like no one is probably so complicated to the viewer. It's like, okay, this is, these is what we're dealing with. There's no like behind the scenes, like crazy what what's happening. Like you just get to show up, cook your heart out, and again, be Bobby Flay. <laughs> I'm never, I'm like literally every from this point on in my life, when I talk to someone, I'm gonna say that I met someone who be Bobby Flay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> because it's so cool. And it's funny because I was watching Beat Bobby Flay with a friend like not that long ago. And I remember saying like, like I had said to you, like this makes, it just makes me sad when he, because the, the, the few episodes that I watched, it was like three episodes. He won everyone. Right. And I was like, come on, like, can you give someone a bone? Like, yeah. this is stupid. But I, 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 now I, now I know someone who actually read it and we beat Bobby Flay. I think he goes and watches it too, because yeah. like when we were there, I said, I was saying, it just seemed there was like this lag period that I think for him, because, you know, he owns his name and everything, yep. to put it on that show, he always wants it legit. So he goes and he watches you cook. Oh. Because there's cameras right above you. So yep. I really think that a man like Flay would be like, let's make sure that it is legitimate. Yep. I'm not going to let this person, you know, win if it isn't. Yep. And I, I do give him, cre- I give him credit for that, you know, because he ran a very legitimate show. Yeah. Everybody that works for him adores him. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah. I just like, Nick will attest to this that every once in a while there's like one thing that I'm like, <clears throat> like I'm mad at them for and that's like my Bobby Flay, my Bobby Flay dead talk. Took it out on the ginger. <laughs> like he seems like a very nice person <laughs> and I'm sure that he's, I, I love Bobby Flay. If you want to be on the Hey Roddy podcast, we can discuss our disagreements. Come on Bobby, let's go. <laughs> but um, do you remember, I'm sure you remember, the dish that won what it was, the dish that you... Oh, my Thai curry mussel, yeah. Oh. So I went, I've always made mussels. Yep. So they said that it would probably be, you know, the mussel frite dish, given, you know, that that's where we were going. And I'd never made a fresh curry paste just because, I don't know, I didn't want some white chick trying to grind up stuff. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. So I always just got a good can of curry paste. And then when I watched the show, I'm like, I'm not going to be one of those people opening yeah. that can. So I said, if I can make a curry paste from scratch with, you know, it's got like 20 something ingredients mm-hmm. in it, make a couple of mayonnaises and a ketchup with my my French fries, I knew I'd be. You're up. in. So that was my whole philosophy of it. Go big or go home. Yep. And even he was like, you can't do that in 45 minutes. And I'm like, yep, yes, I can. I can. How, much, Just uh, watch. how much time do you get in advance? Like when you know you're going to be on the show and then apparently they tell you like generally what type of dish you're going to make. What's your like window there where do you know what type of dish it's going to be for because you said you have to figure out how to make a curry paste. Right. So like did you have a few weeks to figure yeah, that like out? Yeah, it was like less than two weeks. Oh, gotcha. wow. Because I know uh, what's the, the, the baking show, uh, the Great British, British, British oh, yeah. Bake Off. Like they know how many like like certain cakes and stuff that they're going to have right. to make and they'll show them like prepping like mm-hmm. how they can make it in a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because sometimes I watch it and I'm like if you just I threw that, that at me. <laughs> 
it is pretty funny. Um, I just like that show because, like, I feel like American competition shows are so intense. Right. And, like, the Great British Bake Off just, like, is not. Well, there's also no prize. The Great British Bake Off. There's no prize? The prize is just that you won the Great British Bake Off. Wait, I didn't know there was. That's it. Because in, I've never in finished because in like in <laughs> apparently over there it's just here we need some big stakes for yeah, everything totally there it's just like they're like no clout yeah like, no I won but it's so cute it. to like I remember watching one episode like when it like a few uh, months ago and the lady was like yeah I made biscuits I don't know if they're gonna come out good and I'm like I love this this yeah. is so like there's literally no stakes like she does not care if they I mean she I'm sure she cares but like just like her. Like disposition, like she's not stressed. Like, hey, if I go home, I go home. And now that some I know people, that there's no... some people are like weeping at their state, their <laughs> station, though. <laughs> That's so. later in the competition. Depends on who it is, right? No, but I, I mean, I, I do like a, a TV, like a competition cooking show. Like, I like a lot of Gordon Ramsay stuff. Again, I like, um, like what's the one that he does, Master Chef, like the home cooks. Like, I love that. But then again, I don't like that there's a, like losers and winners because I'm like, they're all so passionate. <laughs> Sasha doesn't want to I know. It's just, everybody wins. Here. It can't be a competition. It's got to be a number one, Sasha. It makes me sad because, you know, like you have like one is like a, is a like a, no, no number one. Okay, you're number one. Yeah, you I, can I like be number, number one. one. <laughs> but I like competition. I just like it when they want like, or like, you know, what could happen? Okay, Gordon Ramsay, if you're listening, in your show, if you eliminate someone. <laughs> if you're listening. We know he is. <laughs> do something, because like sometimes someone will get eliminated and they'll be like, you know, you are so great. We're going to offer to like give you an apprenticeship with um whoever in the line with one of the judges. They should do like that for everybody. So not everyone wins, but everyone gets something. <laughs> you, you lose, something. you burn the thing down. <laughs> uh, Taking everybody with me. Everyone <laughs> just wants to be number one except for me. I just want everyone to have a good time. And everyone to just like feel like a winner. Number one's having a good time. That's yeah. true. I guess, I guess. Yeah. And well, it's funny because I never realized, you know, with Rhode Island being such a small state, there's a lot of people from our state who've been on like really cool cooking competition shows and I never really realized it. And like for you, um, Jeannie, like I knew I when I read about you, I knew about the James Beard stuff and the two restaurants and then later found out about Bobby Flay. And I was like, oh, shoot, this is so cool. Like, yeah. And Sasha's like the resident, like we're going to call it like celebrity uh, watcher. I don't know the best way to put that. You're but a celebrity. Like she she if, if there was a thing on a TV show or with somebody famous, the fact that she didn't know about it is the craziest part about that. I know, statement. It's very crazy. I just like I love I. We actually talked about this with another guest about like, I just like celebrities because I think that it's very cool. Like it's one, it's a lot of luck, right? Like the fact that like Bobby Flay is a great chef, right? But so is Chef Genie. Like why do, it, Why isn't there a show called Beat Chef Genie? No one would because you're number one girl. That's right. I know. Try oh, to I know. Take out that's, number that's why one. it's not you a show. You can't do it. It's um, an impossible task. But it's like all luck. And I just like, to me, I just am so fascinated with like the luck of it all. Like you were born in the right place at the right time. You were, a you had access to the right things. You were able to work in the right direction. Like it's so crazy that like that exists. Celebrity is right? a weird thing. Anyway. So, yeah, it really weird. is. It's so weird. Were you starstruck at all when you met Bobby Flay? No. 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 She was in competition with him. He She's was, number he one. Was the enemy. You, you said before yeah. we started recording, you gave him the stare down. I think, yeah, too. I just, you get into that. I mean, they're just people. Yeah. I mean, True. I really think, I like, we did, um, you know, our famous cooking class with Taylor Swift and, and Lord. Wait, what? You didn't oh know God, this? You didn't know that either. Oh my I God. knew that. Loser. Wait, no, what? Oh, uh, this, I'm is not, this doesn't that's, happen very often. That's really that how I, I thought Bobby Flay found me. So, Taylor Swift lives in, she has a house in Watch Hill. Yeah. And she came to the restaurant and my husband made an offhanded comment that, you know, my wife gives cooking lessons. And then she came in and uh, first of all, I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. Yeah, me too. That's why I'm so upset. I didn't know about well, this. She followed me to Westerly because she came there after me. So like she saw, she, she like sought out my attention. You. Yeah. So then she said like, can I have your phone number? Which I died. <gasps> And I ran in the kitchen and my husband's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, are you fine? Oh. That's my phone number. And then, um, so anyways, yeah. So she thought it would be cool that she brought her friend Ella to Ella's. Oh, Lord. Uh, Who is Lord? Anyone who's not listening, Lord's so real much. name is Ella. And phenomenal girls. I mean, Taylor oh is a. I'm going to pass out. She's such a good cook. And 
we literally like for three hours cooked and chopped and talked and it was insane because they're so nice what did you guys cook um like tuna tacos oh she loves tuna, tuna tartare tacos and then we made ricotta cheese i showed her how to make clarified butter um kind of let her know how to if she was um and it's so funny because she mentioned this on some show if she loves to entertain yeah and one of the big things when you entertain is you want to be with your guests so like if you're gonna like cook something for your guests you have everything like halfway done and yeah, then when totally. they come you put it in a warm oven and mm-hmm. you look like a superstar and she she mentioned that somewhere. What I like to have everything ready, and then I pop it in when people come, and that warm cycle, and everything looks perfect. But she like, oh yeah, we seared scallops and did a bunch of um, savory oh, dishes. My God, yeah, with both of them, and they were just this is super awesome. And then she thanked me on social media. Oh my God, this is I'm gonna I'm I can die a happy person now. I, this, I this find is, it hilarious that you didn't know that, but I, I did. I didn't Nick. know that. I didn't <laughs> know Nick, that. Yeah. That's that's. But how did you know about that? Where would I? Because like I read. You know what? I'm gonna be super oh, honest. In there? I think I think uh, I think the writer told me. <laughs> oh, I, well, I didn't read. It's, it's I in the So Rhode Island Magazine. <laughs> I honestly haven't read that specific article yet. But man, this is crazy. It's so cool. Yeah, what is life, right? I wonder if she's written like a song about you. I know, like Miso Salmon. Yeah, like maybe you don't, maybe it's not released yet. But Chef like, Genie is number one. Yeah. Yeah, that would I, be a good oh one. Oh my God, can you imagine? I, it's out there, I'm it's sure. It's definitely out she's there. She's working on it. It's just oh yeah, it's, she's just like, she's getting Jack Antonoff to come produce it. Oh! Gonna, don't even tell me he was there. I'm not, I can't say anything, yeah. Oh my God. I'm like, this is the best day of my life. I can't believe that that's, that you've experienced all <laughs> I love that things. this is the best day of your life. <laughs> <laughs> hearing that someone she even wrote a cooked, song about that. Hearing <laughs> that someone has cooked with Taylor Swift is the oh, best that's day hilarious. of my life. Yeah. No, that is very cool. We have an ongoing joke that like, you know, uh, our far, our our dream, one of our dream uh, people to come on the podcast is Taylor Swift. Oh, that would be here. awesome. I she has know. that beautiful house in West Virginia. I know. Yeah, we she's gotta, got, she's got to like, get her here. She loves Rhode Island. She's, you know, she said on the Ellen DeGeneres show, yep. it's one of her favorite places. Yep. Um, We're in one of our songs, The Great American Dynasty. Thank the you. last Great American See? Dynasty, excuse me. So she, yeah, she should be here. Taylor, if you're listening to this, please call me. Let's go. I would love Bring to have you Bring a guitar. Here. Oh my God, I would. Can you imagine if she walked into this office? Taylor Swift in this office. Everybody's w- would be dead forever. Oh, okay. This is not. Fu- this is not funny. Uh, you want me to? So, just people who are listening, I'm b- getting shown pictures of the Taylor Swift Lord cooking class, cooking class with Chef Jeannie, and I'm like dying. <laughs> my God, was she so tall? Yeah, she's very she's tall. She's so tall. I love that. Oh my God. She, she's like over a little over six feet, right? No, she's five eleven. But oh. she wears heels a lot yeah, of the time. So then why. she's probably over six feet. I love her. Anyway, okay, sorry. I'm off my celebrity rant. I couldn't believe we didn't get to Taylor Swift till just now. I know. That's crazy. I well, know. It was good, though, because we built it all up and then dropped a bomb. I know. On me. Oh. That was like. <laughs> and the, She exploded. The, even though if we I, did that at the beginning, she would have been a puddle. <laughs> even though I love Taylor Swift so much and I love Lord, this episode really is about your genius, Chef Genie. And like. I like even though Taylor Swift I love you so much please come on our show this is all about you girlfriend number one thank you you're number one for so many things this is like my head is just exploding with all the things that are under your belt like this is crazy you do something you love in life and you do it you know with your conviction and with love and I just think good things happen and you have a cookbook Yes, I or do. Or as I love uh, two cookbooks, two cookbooks, as I um, lovingly called it, a cooking book. That's right. Because <laughs> cooking I book. don't cook. Um, what is well, what would a cooking book be like? Uh, like an instructional on like the how tos of cooking in and, exactly. in and of itself. Listen, <laughs> listen. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna make it a goal to cook at least one recipe in that book this month. All right, there you go. Nice. That's gonna be my and goal. You hit me up. You have any issues? Just okay. Call me yes. or whatever. I'll I'll send and I'll send you a picture. It's like a helpline. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) with my like nice plating. It's going to be so cool. Um, When you really quick, when you write a cookbook, do you try to stay within a theme? Do you just do all your favorite recipes, recipes that you think people will be able to cook? So this one, my first one I I wrote, it was like, okay, I'll probably just write one cookbook in my life, blah, blah, blah. But then like during the lockdown and COVID, I kind of saw everybody doing the same thing that even I was doing for myself. We were separated. He was up here. I was in Florida mm. when it all got locked down. So even myself, I had to make myself food every day. Yep. Um, and then when you went out, you saw the daunting tasks that we all had. First of all, like 
everybody was so nuts about cooking during that time. We had so many limited ingredients. Totally. Whoever was making the food had to please everyone in their house. Yep. Um, so it was a very interesting time for everybody. And so I kind of, this cookbook was kind of themed for some of my fav- favorite um, recipes from both restaurants. Yep. Things that had been around for 20 years, family recipes, things that are easy to make at home, mm-hmm. things that you can duplicate. Things from James's mother, things from my Aww, grandmother. That's so fun. Things from one of my customers down there from her mother. Wow. And I told her, like, she gave me, like, the spice cake in here is one of my favorite customers from Florida, her her mother's recipe. Mm. She hand wrote that recipe and gave it to me probably 18 years ago. Oh, I still have her handwritten recipe. That's so nice. Because that's, like, the love that I feel like that we all put in you know, when we put into cooking or experience, it's something of memory. Yep. Um, you know, elicits different feelings from us. And that's really what this cookbook's all about. My yep. love of cooking, how it played into my life, family recipes, traditions, things you could start in your own family yep. as traditions and um, make them your own. So a lot of new and old recipes are, are in this book. And it's called The favorite. Perfect Caper. The Perfect home, Caper Home, home Cooking. cooking. That is, first of all, so cute. I can't wait to try it. And you. like you said, with COVID, you I think everyone had a, a minute to kind of like, okay, what, am, what are we doing? Like, what's happening? And you, for some people, obviously, like, it, they couldn't find anything in, in, you know, they, you know, they struggled. But for some other people, you got to like put some much needed time into things that you might not have had time to before. Right. Because how crazy the world is. So having like, what was it? Like a total of four months that like you literally could not leave your house, like getting to think about all of your favorite recipes from your, you know, from generations before you and from your favorite customers. Like that's such a special, like, like a array of things in a book. Like I feel like that's really, that's so special. Thank you. I'm going to cook something good in there. There's even Brussels sprouts in there. I, right? ah, my girlfriend would come over ways. and we'd cook dirt. I'd, I'd once a week, my friend and I had our COVID day because she was isolating and a lot of the recipes I tried out on my friend, like the little mushroom and onion tarts, <gasps> we drink champagne. Oh, and, my God. And these are all things you can make quickly and easily. Pizza. Mm. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of great pizza up here. There's some good pizzas in Westerly. But during COVID, everything just kind of got bad. Yeah. Making pizza is so much fun. It's so, so much easy. fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, give yourself a chance to do that. Involve your children. Yep. So the kids know how to cook. Mm. Simple tomato sauce. I mean, you equipped a kid with that a roasted chicken and send them out of your house and they're going to feed themselves they're forever. Good. Yep. You know, things like that, that um, something simple that it, that can give you, you know, that lasts forever. And that that's really what I wanted in this book. Some, some timeless recipes, things that my father ate growing up. Where's the best place to get this book? So right now this is um, available at both of our restaurants. You can okay. get it at um, chefgenieroland.com. Um, or the um, both at both restaurants, just call up, go on our websites. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting it on Amazon. Cool. I'm going to be dropping some off at Wakefield Books. Very um, nice. In Florida, it's available at Copperfish Books, which is a local bo- bookstore. That's incredible. Well, yeah. I am so sorry. Go ahead. No, Nick. I was uh, I was going to say the I think there's something kind of special. Like so, I went to school for graphic design with a concentration in print. I love books. I love print. Uh, in general, I love coffee table books. I like things with really cool visuals. I'm also a photographer, so I love that stuff as well. Uh, and I think there's something special about a good cookbook that can inspire you to want to keep cooking. Yeah, kind of like I think that I get that from cookbooks as well as like um, certain not cooking competition shows, but certain like cooking shows. Mm-hmm. Like um, what did I watch recently? Uh, Salt, fat, acid, heat. Did you watch that series on Netflix? No, that's a great book though. So she did like a whole series on it, um, and it's just not like overly informational but kind of just about the you know the what she considers the building blocks of how to of balance food. Mm. Um, flavors and mm. you kind of each one goes into the different sections and it just there's something about a a good like visual and, and a good show or a good cooking book cooking book cooking book see <laughs> everyone's going to be got me your now. next your next cookbook <laughs> is going to be called trending chef genie's cooking, cooking book, book. <laughs> well you i like like you feel this book it mm. feels good yeah. my um cousin so my maiden name is in every book because my my cousin Anne owns a book design company and she designed both of my cookbooks. Oh. So, you know, you can, and I neglected to bring you the first one. You can see a marked difference. I'll mail, uh, I'll send you the other one between the two. What's the um, picture in the back? 
because that's that a tomato salad. And really I just thought it was just so beautiful. Good. Yeah, you turned that around. And I was like, I need to eat that immediately. Yeah, the first book, for some reason, I put my photo on, which who the heck is going to be drawn? Because nobody knows me. It was kind of stupid. Yeah, but you're like but a, a, the food is what you're drawn to, you know? So I see it both ways. I yeah, feel like you have a very um, warm uh, appearance. So I feel like seeing a picture of you like with a spatula would be very, um, like, I would want to buy that book, but only if you had the spatula in your hand. I'm just kidding. <laughs> spatula <laughs> required. <laughs> no, no, no. But I can see both ways. Well, I love, I'm very, very, very excited to go home and start cooking. Thank you. Doing something fun. I'm going to send you a picture. Um, hopefully it comes out good and not overcooked or undercooked. It's or like those Gordon, the Gordon Ramsay thing on, uh, <laughs> on like Instagram and stuff. Yeah. Snapchat, people send him pictures of their food and he just like critiques the crap out of it. And it's oh, jeez. Yes, please so critique funny. mine. Oh my gosh. Like a, bur- like a burnt sandwich or something and he just rips <laughs> it apart. It, he kills me. This is bloody disgusting. Or some, that's my version of that was Gordon good, yeah, Ramsay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, Chef I Gini- thought he was in the room. Yeah, I know, right? No, he's not. It's just me, the number one chef, Chef Jeannie. That's right. Her husband, James, and Nick. Anyway, I'm so happy and very honored that you came and gave us your time. Um, it was such a pleasure getting to hear from you and and all of the things that like make your, I, I don't want to say make you tick because we didn't even get into like you as a human being. We just really talked about you as the I chef, gotta come Jeannie. Back. You, you gotta come back. You gotta come back. Absolutely. But it was really cool because from someone who doesn't have that sort of like mental thing about cooking, hearing from someone who really just like encompasses like you love what you do you do it so beautifully it was so nice getting to chat Thank and you. i appreciate it yeah and, uh one more time uh so one what's the best place to buy the book you can buy it at either restaurant and then online at um chefgenieroland.com or um at both restaurants either ella's food and drink in westerly or the perfect caper in punta gorda florida and then do you have uh what's the best way to kind of follow you have social media channels anything i like do that? i'm um Chef Genie, known as a senior Swifty on Twitter. Um, I'm Chef Genie on Instagram as well. He's dying. But I am a senior Swifty. Oh my God. We love that. That is a thing. Yeah. Um, So who knew? I love that. Very nice. Well, uh, once again, thanks so much. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. We'll definitely have you back. All right. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Bye.